time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. Monday, March 15th, 2021. It's a good day, and I can tell you for so many reasons. We just had a good medical report on my wife over the week on a Friday. Kind of a miraculous thing. I'll tell you about it sometime. But we're so glad to have you here with us. One thing, this is how these podcasts work. We said to do these, and then we sit here and talk, and we're not sure how many people are out there listening, but we do hear for so many of you. And it's just so reassuring and so comforting. One thing we said at the opening there that's stressed, I want to come back and just highlight a little bit. It's sponsored by a Transformational Mortgage Solutions. That's who put this on. That's my other company. We're a consultant. And how this whole program started many, many years ago, I was asked to speak and it was on an area of compliance, Alice's area. And Alice and I were good friends over 10 years ago. And I was asked to speak on a topic. And I go, there's got to be a podcast out there somewhere that will help us through that. Well, guess what? Couldn't find it anywhere. Being an entrepreneur and going, if I have a need to listen, I wonder if anyone else does. So I talked to Alice into joining me and then a couple others. And we've been doing Doing this now for over 10 years, and we're so thrilled to have you as a listener. So, some of you heard that story, some of you are new to the program, so tell that again. So, again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. We appreciate you sharing this out. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Oh, by the way, we're going to be on the hot topic segment. We're going to talk about recruiting. We've got joining us today Chris Dunn. He's a partner in Kinetics, it is a recruiting firm, and they do a great job. National RPO. You're going to learn what an RPO is and uh, why it's a little bit unique. I'm really honored to have him. He's a fellow podcaster, so I'm going to get to be a guest on his podcast. We're having him on in our podcast, and it's one of our topics near and dear. Again, remember, we had Bill Cosgrove on last week. We got an overwhelming response. A lot of wisdom that came out during that. It was really fun. Alice, thank you so much for making sure that he got on and preparing that podcast. It went so, so well. So today, we're going to continue the topic of recruiting, which is the topic we are on, and we'll be continuing to cover here for this month and um, maybe a little bit into next month. We're just getting so much feedback on this important topic. How are you building teams? Anyway, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. We're also thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com. One of our sponsors just did a press release today. Finastra just announced that they have joined the FedNow pilot program. If you're not familiar with it, you can go check it out by Googling it. But this is to support the development, testing, and adoption of FedNow service. Finastra joins this with other progressive banks, credit unions, and payment technology firms of the FedNow community will be shaping the future of payments and how they're handled. How does that affect a mortgage lending? And we'll be uh, hearing more about that as we're going to get Finance to come on and talk about it. But check out the FedNow community, the FedNow service. Real interesting. And we'll put a link in the show notes about this as well. All the sponsors, we want to say thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, also Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops do a great job of helping lenders and vendors get together, talk in a more intimate setting about the real issues going on and facing them. Also, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, thrilled to be associated with all these organizations. And then also Indicom does a great job partnering with lenders and servicers and mortgage insurers and title insurance companies to achieve one specific goal, and that is to help them grow. It's great to have a great why statement to help 
you grow your business. Also, Incelerate, Josh Friend. I just keep referring business over to Josh. He does a great job of helping lenders close more loans by radically changing how lenders communicate and engage with borrowers. He has got some great technology that does this. If you're looking for a training platform, get a hold of KnowledgeCoop, one of our sponsors. And also, if you're looking for loan officers, you got to really look at Mobility, MMI, Mortgage, market intelligence. They do a great job of helping you recruit top LOs. Also has technology that works with the realtors. And then there's Modex. They're very complementary to each other. You could say they're competitors, but I like using both of them. And they have just a slightly different focus on it. Why should you have two services that use this? So you have better depth of field when you're looking at your recruiting process. So check out both of them. Also a special thank you goes out to Andy, Alice, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. So let's get over to hear what Rob Van Rapphorst of the NBA has for us with today's Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, President Biden signed into law a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus bill known as the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Important provisions include approximately $10 billion for the Homeowner Assistance Fund and $21.55 billion in direct rental assistance. Also last week, the Senate confirmed Congresswoman Marsha Fudge as HUD secretary. She is the first woman to lead HUD in more than 40 years and the second black woman in history to lead the department. NBA president and CEO Bob Brooksman applauded the confirmation and said he looks forward to working with her on important issues facing both homeowners and renters. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, good job, Rob. Appreciate you and appreciate the MBA, all that they do there. I always want to remind you, join the MBA. Yes. If you don't want to join, but you want to have your voice heard, the MBA has graciously created an app for the entire industry, member or non-member, to have your voices heard. You go download the Mortgage Action Alliance app, the Mall app, and you can get it on your smart devices and you have your voice heard. Make sure you sign up for that. Les Parker's here with today's TM Spotlight and the macro view of the markets, but also I want to point out Les has released his 2021 forecast. So be sure to check it out. We have uploaded. We're not going to be talking about it today. We'll maybe get less back on some point in time, but they are in the show notes. Now let's get into TM Spotlight with today's report. Less TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Bonds go up. Bonds come down. Spinning wheel. Bula go round. Ooh la la, lots of moolah to go around. The financial shot in the arm strengthens the market's concern over inflation. The president telling blue states to set their people free to work, go to school, and spend brought joy to stocks and angst to bonds. So when does the bear market end? Inflation fears melt away when investors focus on higher taxes and lower productivity. The risk of financial instability keeps rising due to rising debt by households, corporations, and governments. Watch and paint the town red on the spinning wheel ride. These views are my own. Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Love that old music, Chicago. Man, that brings back some memories from my much younger days. Anyway, uh, good job, Les. Be sure again, check out Les's 2021 forecast. You can find it in the show notes and a link there. And uh, we'll keep that up there. And we'll try to get Les on to give us some more of a perspective on it. But Matt Graham, he brings us what's happening today, right now, talking about what goes up and what comes down. Matt, looking at this, we broke out over the top again this morning. 
but it looks like it's kind of settling down. Do we have a new trading range started here? What you got? Well, I think everybody is hoping for a new range to kick in. It doesn't really matter what the floor is as long as we could find a ceiling in yields. I think a lot of people would be thrilled. Definitely been a sharp move. And gosh, it looked really hopeful by Thursday of last week. We had two bounces. We talk about 10-year treasury yields. And of course, it's MBS that dictate mortgage rates and lender margins and all that. But I was looking at the treasury market for broad guidance in terms of momentum and whatnot. In that sense, the technical levels have been very well behaved. And uh, 1.62-ish, give or take, in 10-year yields had been shaping up to be a hopeful ceiling as of last week. And it could still be if you're painting that line with a very thick marker because we did move over it a little bit. And so I guess I just gave away the conclusion of my little story, which is after four days last week of holding ground or improving modestly, then we broke out on Friday and moved well above 1.62 for a little bit, closed above 1.62. And the kicker was there really wasn't any overt motivation for that. If we look at the econ calendar, for instance, we had producer prices and uh, consumer sentiment. No major market reaction to either of those when they were released. Most of the weakness was intact by the early morning hours. And then we just stayed sideways the whole day. There really wasn't any you know, strong reaction. 9.30 a.m., maybe a little bit of correlation, some of this inverted correlation between stock prices and bond yields that we talked about last time having to do with this risk parity trading or investors putting money in and out of all of their investments at once to reduce risk exposure. You could think of it like moving to cash. And that's something to watch going forward as big sovereign wealth funds are making uh, positional adjustments. And we have Japan selling a lot of treasuries this month and uh, their fiscal year ends at the end of March. And some traders have speculated that's been putting undue pressure on the treasury market. And then you have speculation as to what the Fed is going to say this week, which we'll get to in just a second. All of that to say there are a lot of unseen hand type market movers where we don't have what we like to have, which is a really obvious headline, either from a news story or from economic data that makes a clear case for one trade in one direction or the other. And then markets make that trade and it's obvious and things are happening like they should. Not a lot of that going on recently. And it speaks to momentum behind the weakness. And it speaks to traders making trades for reasons that transcend the data. So last week's big rate move really ended up happening only for a specific bucket of mortgages. And even then only specific lenders until this morning. And it had to do with what I know Alice is going to talk about in more detail, which is the Fannie Mae letter that said that they were limiting the percentage of non-owner and second homes that lenders could have. This comes from a Treasury and FHFA announcement slash decision back in January with the previous administration that limited their risk exposure in the interest of working toward ending the conservatorship. And what the implication is for individual lenders is if a lender has significantly more than 7% of their business uh, going into non-owner and second, they're going to need to adjust pricing pretty quickly to get that balance down. And Fannie and Freddie, I heard, started calling lenders last week. Fannie sent out the official letter. I heard Freddie was just emailing or calling. Can't confirm either of that. It's just anecdotal secondhand. But it would make sense since it's a FHFA decision. And the price changes for those loans were just staggering. And in some cases, more than five points hit 
for an 80% LTV non-owner. And then over the weekend, a couple of lenders that had released these big hits added to them actually as of Friday afternoon. So six, seven points, depending on the loan. And a lot of people on the MBS Live dashboard were saying, gosh, you guys are talking all about this, but we're not seeing any change in our rate sheets. So what's the deal? Now this morning, we have the big household name lenders jumping in. Wells is out, Chase is out, US Bank is out. And I think pretty much everybody will get involved with this at some point. Lenders who don't, they don't necessarily need to if they have like a super small proportion of their business going there, but everything should ultimately come out in the wash because one would assume if those lenders' rates are remotely competitive and they're not increasing their hits, then as much of that non-owner and second home business will migrate to those lenders as possible. And then they will be forced to adjust their hits. Theoretically, the proportion is the same as what it has been. That's what's been mandated. But what we saw in 2020 was a big increase in second home and investment property lending. And MBA put out a great chart on that. We have it on MBS Live and uh, I can get you a link if you want, but it just shows the spike in 2020. Anyway, expect to see pricing hits on non-owner and second homes. If you haven't already, that's the bottom line there. As far as this week, a retail sales tomorrow, it's a big data headline expected to come in at negative 0.5 versus 5.3 last time. A Philly Fed and jobless claims on Thursday and no big ticket data on Friday. Focus of the week will be Wednesday afternoon with the Fed announcement. It's not anything to do with whether or not they're going to hike rates. They're not anywhere close to that. They're not even going to talk about how that out look is changing most likely. They're not going to talk about tapering. Not there yet. If anybody asks them about twist or extending the weighted average maturity of their portfolio, Powell will probably just say what he said two weeks ago, which is, no, we talked about that and we're not doing it. The big news is this supplemental leverage ratio, which was announced April 1st, 2020 as a temporary flexibility that would allow big banks to avoid counting treasury holdings against their leverage ratio, thus allowing them to own more treasuries than they otherwise would, which they can then turn around and sell to the Fed via the Fed's buying operations. But anyway, you slice it, it's just creating more demand for bonds in the marketplace. And there's been some speculation that recent weaknesses had to do with concerns that this might not be extended because it expires at the end of March. So the Fed could make an official release concurrent with this announcement, or Powell could just say, hey, yeah, we're going to extend it and an official release is coming. Or he could say, no, we're not going to extend it. And most market participants expect it will be extended. So if it is, that confirmation would still be worth something. It just wouldn't be as big of a move as if right. he says, we're not extending it. And in that case, things get really ugly. Yeah, I think 1.75 yeah. is a real quick move. If Powell were yep. to say, yep. no, we're not extending that. 1.75 is an easy call. You can really ramp up expectations for some supportive ceiling type balances if uh, 10-year yields manage to make it to 1.95. I don't think they probably will in short order, but say it happened. If it did, that's a technical zone where you can almost guarantee you're going to get a bounce to the oversold conditions and just due to where we would be with respect to previous technical areas. But again, if the Fed does extend the program, it would probably build that case that we're hoping to see built for support in this 1.6 to 1.65 area that's still potential for now. But that's optimistic. It's hopeful. It could happen. It'd be great if it did. Just friendly reminder to everybody out there, it is a rising rate environment and it should be treated right. as such until it presents solid evidence to the contrary. That's really interesting. When we did all the, the economic forecasts, everyone pretty much consistently said, we'll be in a raising rate environment. I don't know that everyone anticipated being quite 
this pronounced or this uh, seems at sudden at times, but great job, man. Yeah. I love your screen. Love everything's on here. One of my favorites is that like last week, I listened to the Federal Reserve over in Europe talking about the European Economic Council. And it was just like, there's someone else was being made. I go, oh, you mean I just click right here? I don't have to run and try to find it on television? So cool. Yeah. We're very grateful for you and grateful to have you on the podcast. If you want to sign up and you should to mbslive.net and then in the sign up code, what do you put? LOL, looking on lending for the extended trial with no credit card required. Matt, excellent job. Appreciate you. Alice Alvey is here, CMB Vice President of Education and Training of Union Home Mortgage. And with a legislative update, Alice, it's great to have you back. And it was great having your boss on and the founder last week. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Cosgrove. Good to have you here. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. And yes, it was great hearing from Bill. So everyone needs to go back and listen to that podcast for sure. For this week, as Matt said, I'm going to kind of expand a little bit on the Federal Housing Finance Agency. Basically, Dr. Calabria coming out with a change in this ruling. So originally, this ruling that Matt was alluding to with the 7% of the GSEs, the second home and investment properties should not exceed 7% of their over-purchase volume. So when you look at that in aggregate and you say, all right, I've got some lenders that do a lot. We have others that do zero. So as an industry, when we're measured by the 7%, there's a leveling out, which is essentially what the GSEs are supposed to be bringing to us across the country, right? That's what they do is help stabilize interest rates across the country versus if they didn't exist, right? We'd have all the individual investors and, and rates of return that they wanted. I'm, I'm going all the way back to the 70s when we didn't have them, right? You know, when you make a change to now it's not 7% in aggregate across all lenders and on an annual basis. And you change that interpretation to it is now by lender and monthly. That's a completely different picture in the landscape for the products that and the pricing and the risks that the lenders have. And the fact that this is all effective April 1st, even for the loans that they purchase. So that means loans that are in the pipeline today are impacted. Loans we've already locked with borrowers are impacted by this change in policy. So I guess what I wanted to reach out to our listeners about is this is a very big deal. When you think about prices going up for second home and investment properties, and if you say, well, I'm a residential primary owner-occupied kind of originator, does it really impact me? The ripple effect to renters, think about that, right? In a time when we're trying to make sure we don't hurt low to moderate income borrowers with all the impact to that demographic already due to COVID, now we're going to pile on that their landlord is going to have higher expenses in maintaining that property. Property. So second homes aside, I'm focusing on the investment property. So there is a significant impact to the market because of this. And I would just encourage everyone to really uh, reach out to your congressional representatives and let them know that this is a problem. I apologize. I meant to try and find the MBA link ahead of time. I believe the MBA has already written a letter addressing the impact to this. And I think this is as legislative activists, we all must be in order to protect our industry and protect consumers. I think this is a real big one we need to reach out on. So more to come as we actually see the impact once you start entering these into DU and LP all the time. So if you were a lender selling everything to the GSEs, you kind of go, all right, that was already in my process. That wasn't super warming up to refer with caution from the agency on yep. second home and investment properties anyway, but community banks were. They would very often run and uh, many lenders, uh, some lenders out there, I should say, did have you know the ability and the risk tolerance to deliver loans that did not have an approved eligible. So if that's gone, everything must have an approved 
prove eligible, and we'll see what actually happens in the risk tightening once we see those decisions take flight after April 1st. So lots going on there, and I just recommend everybody reach out. And I thought, well, I don't know if Matt had anything else he wanted to add, but that was the main point I wanted to make sure yeah, our audience was aware of. Yeah, and it really also underscores the importance of having the Mortgage Action Alliance app. You can have your voice heard. They did publish a letter, and you can actually have your voice heard. It's so easy to use, folks. You just turn it on, Allison. Now you use your app on your phone, mm-hmm. smart device, and you have your voice heard. And it's really effective. Well done. So kudos to our old friend, David Stevens, who, when he was at the NBA, set that up. And But for the NBA to continue to support that because it's such an important tool. Very yeah. good. One other thing, just to oh, last, yeah. so we're getting our COVID flexibilities extended until April 30th. And with a heads up that the agencies will likely not extend certain parts of this. So, so far they've indicated that the employment verification, condo reviews, power of attorney kind of flexibilities under COVID will not be extended. We'll watch to see what actually comes out of that. So that is April 30th. While we're talking about power of attorneys, just a big heads up for folks that when Freddie issued their tightening of power of attorneys, probably about a month or so ago. Just a heads up for everyone on how tough it is to really use a power of attorney. It is not easy to just say, but my borrower is going to be on vacation and so I need a power of attorney. You really have to make sure you check out if you're delivering loans to Freddie that you've got well-documented extenuating circumstances and there's actually a form that you need to have uh, filled in. So check out Freddie's announcement on that. There is a lot of detail in there to make sure that you get it right and you don't have a problem. Last but not least, our REO for closure and eviction did get extended until June 30th. Uh, So at this point, it looks like borrowers who have filed for their COVID uh, relief plan that they needed, that was by the end of February, they will get up to 18 months that they can turn around and put this, what I call, put it on the back end, either put it at the time of the payoff uh, when they go to refinance again, or if they sell the property. So lots of flexibilities there, but expect also that this may be coming to an end. These are our last chances. So last but not least, HUD new forms. So I hope everybody's ready for the 92900A. The addendum to the application now stands alone for HUD and is no longer a joint form for HUD and VA. And then HUD has new forms for spot and full condo project approvals that look a little easier to use at first glance. So that's my report for today, Dave. Back to you. Boy, a lot there. A thorough report. lot, 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 lot to report on. You did your homework. Thank you, Alice. So many appreciate you bringing this out. This is one of the reasons we have so many listeners is this kind of stuff. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Folks, go back and listen to that interview with Bill Cosgrove. There were so many sound bites that were so significant. The number of recruiters they have, the number of recruiters they have for the sales side and the ops side and the training investment. It's just, they do so many things right there. And it's good to get Bill on here and talk about it. we got Alan Pollock here with the tech update. Good to hear your voice. How you been? Likewise. Great to hear your voice as well. I've been doing really well. Is it true, David? Is there another snowstorm? Did it just hit Texas? I, I took my eyes away. I peeled away from the news for a couple of days. I don't know. If it did, it missed us. We're back up in the 80s. It's going to be 81 okay. years. So we're good. Yeah. No, what I yeah. think what happened, what you may have seen in the news was all the fish that died and washing up as a result of the snowstorm that had in it. So there has been the effects of the snowstorm are still being felt. Some homes are being gutted. So we're still recovering from it. Yeah. What you got on the tech report? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Two fun thoughts. The first one is super technology driven. Imagine in 10 or 20 years, David, how hard it will be to get a username to sign up for a system without a ton of numbers at the end. Really? I don't know how many yeah. people have 
tried to do that. A lot of yeah. companies have moved into email addresses, but usernames are hard to come by now, and they'll be even harder in 10 or 20 years. So let's move into some fun stuff. This is, this is brought to my attention by a friend of mine today. There's a real estate tech startup. Uh, their name is Doma, like Dogma, yeah. but Doma, yeah. uh, formerly yeah. known as State's Title. They announced Tuesday that they are going public through a merger with SPAC Capital Investment Corp V. So they're going into a SPAC as well. Uh, yeah. A deal is valued at $3 billion. And what they basically said is that they uh, initially were founded years ago to instantly underwrite title insurance. And they've since expanded to now handle every aspect of the closing and escrow process. They have a patented machine learning technology. They're saying that they can reduce the overall title processing time from five days to as little as one minute. And right now they've facilitated over 800,000 real estate closings for lenders such as Chase, HomePoint, Sierra Pacific Mortgage, and many others. Some people have said, hey, what's going on there? I tried searching today. I don't have the answer. It wasn't clear to me exactly what the technology is doing. If you're using them, then hey, if you want to share that with us, please do. And if you're part of DOMA and you, you want to share the word, I'm very interested in what's going on if you're using blockchain or if these are only new originations or such. But I think our audience would be super interested as well. This is where we're moving to. So this is great. Now, David, I'm not going to do like Les Parker would do any justice, but ice baby. Don't forget the ice. So starting on March 8th, which is now passed, all the way up yeah. until March 26th, the ICE Mortgage Technology Experience is completely virtual. Mm -hmm. So you still have time, another 10 days, actually, 11 days to be part of this virtual event. And many of their partners and such have free access. You just need to go on the website and sign up. So if you've been part of the new experience 2021, I hope it's been going well. And if not, and you want to be, I really do is reach out to them. Here's some items, David, I saw in the Chrisman report. I thought these were really interesting. The first one is a company called Homebinder. Check this out, right? We talked about home buyer experience, our end customer, the goal is to right, give them the American dream. So this company Homebinder, and we may have talked about them once in the past. I just thought this is just so interesting. Homeowners are now adding lenders to their Homebinder. This is their language every day because they value all of their home information being centralized in one place. And conversely, it benefits lenders as it links them to homeowners for future financing and referrals. That's the key right there, yeah. both of which needed to be uh, part of it, the success plan of a loan officer. So if you think about it, it's something that nobody offers or some do, and I don't, it's not very wide known, but the ability for a home buyer or homeowner to upload all of their documents and information during the home buying experience and to have that experience maintained throughout the time. Think about all the opportunity that is driven in front of them, including the relationship that you help get to maintain. So I thought that's really interesting technology, another take on how to you know, know your customer, build relationship. Uh, Lotus Off, David, we've heard of Lotus Off a few times. They're now offering, and this is really cool, AUS submissions, Freddie and Fannie at the same time. Lotus Off, if you don't know who they are, they're a digital workflow platform. And I thought that was just really interesting. AUS is something that everybody wants to run as early as you can and as many times as you can. So now being able to run two at the same time with the click of one button is extremely helpful. And then David, we talk about data, 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 right? This is really interesting. American Pacific Mortgage just put out a case study. You can go online and download it, just Google it. They're basically saying, I think it was in Crisman as well. They basically are saying that operational efficiency remains the number one key in 2021. What they said is that tracking milestones and CRM, point of sale, and LOS systems worked in 2018. But to be effective managing today's higher loan volume, you have to be smarter and more detailed. And they are 100% right. Well, they're using a BI platform. It's a platform called Teamwork IQ. They're using mm -hmm. operational 
active based dashboards, meaning that there's activity, there's action yeah. to the data they're looking at. Yep. And we talk about data and why do we collect all this data? Well, we're going to do with the data, right? We've got to make it actionable. So it's not that maybe Teamwork IQ is the best platform out there, but it's the fact that they're leveraging the data and they're building it into the success plan of their business, operational efficiency being the key target. And that is huge. So take a look at that case study. They put it out there. You can easily just Google it. If you send over a link, yeah. we'll, we'll put it up in our show notes because so I've heard someone else yeah, talking about that. Yeah, last thing, which is really important, we talked about financial literacy and literacy of teaching people uh, programming language last week. Google, and we've talked about them in the past for a few years now, they've announced the details of their professional certification program. And there are mortgage industry companies that are hiring people out of Google. You can just Google it and you can read it, right? You can Google the Google. But anyways, they have three programs. Check this out. Project management, data and analytics, and UX design. And $100,000 a needs-based scholarship they're offering. And there's 130 plus corporate partners ready to hire. You want to check this out. They're saying it takes only six months to complete it, and it's slightly less than the average 38000 total tuition for a four-year public college. So Google is helping train the next generation of PMs, data analytic folks, and UX design folks. And with that, David, if you want to reach out to me, how to get me is Alan, A-L-L-E-N at TMS-advisors.com. Very good. Good job. Again, get a hold of them. That wraps up the mortgage update, first part of our podcast. Next week, we're going to have Eric Levin coming in, and he's with Model Match, by the way, has a unique business model, and it goes out and works with you. They have some technology that they make available that enhance your program for recruiting. So check out Model Match and another podcaster, by the way, and I'm going to be on his podcast. So we're bringing these folks on because they're the best in class in their respective areas. So be sure to come back next week to listen to us continue on the topic of building solid teams. And uh, Eric Levin, Model Match will be there with us. We also want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Accelerate Mobility Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, Lenders One, and the Mortgage Collaborative. Folks, good to have you with us. Have a great week. I look forward to having you back here next week. And please tell others about the podcast. That's how we've grown to well over 100,000 listeners. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.